You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Welcome back to another episode of the Dad Work Podcast. This is Kurt Storing, your host, the founder of Dad Work. We are here today with my friend, Ryan King. I actually met Ryan in person after like a year of talking, hanging out, and being in a men's group together. And it was just so awesome to connect. And then we got to jump on another podcast here, which is round two, because we had Ryan on, I think, uh, 30, 35 episodes ago, which was just one of the, the best episodes we've had. And it just popped. You guys love this. And uh, so I'm really excited to have him back, really grateful. Because, man, I was listening to this again, and I think I needed to hear this. Like, this was so good in so many levels. And we talk about a lot of stuff here. I initially got into this going like, okay, let's just talk about this red pill. Cause I don't know a lot about that. He's been talking a lot about it cause it's so damaging to a lot of men. Uh, and I wanted to get the lowdown on like just what it was and why it was so dangerous. So we dive in here to what the formula is on being a good man and why that hasn't changed actually. And why the so-called red pill movement is so destructive. Uh, why focusing on the fundamentals is the only way to get the external validation you crave. And how basically put your head down and execute without getting distracted. There is a lot of gold in here, guys. If you don't already follow Ryan, make sure to go over to Instagram. Check out his Instagram page at the Wisdom of Kings. There is a ton of excellent writing on there. In fact, I think like he's got to write a book. And I think that's why he's getting into this in the first place, to be honest, is because he's been collecting these lessons for, for sons, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's just writing on Instagram now. So we all get to benefit. His, his tagline on Instagram, I think, is uh, the dad you never had. And man, that is so true. So, so true. So you guys are going to get a ton out of this. Make sure to follow him. Uh, let us know what you think by leaving a review. And guys, if you want a 10-day challenge that will absolutely change your life and have you being an elite man, husband, and father in like literally 10 days if you just take action, go to dad.work slash challenge. I've got a new 10-day free email challenge. Sign up there. You'll get one email per day for the next 10 days that's going to make your life drastically better and it's all there for you. It's all laid out right there. So I want you to sign up dad.work slash challenge. That is going to be a game changer for you if you are still not living the elite, blissful family life that you crave. So head on over to Challenge. Otherwise, let's hop in. Let's go with Ryan King right now. Here we go, guys. Let's go. All right, guys. We're back for another episode. Round two with my friend Ryan King. Dude, I'm pumped to have you back on. Thank you for joining me because I know this was uh, the first one we did was one of like the first episodes that popped. Uh, so I'm, I'm super pumped to have you back on. Thanks for coming, dude. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the, it was like, everything was sort of like just, you know, a few hundred episodes, a few hundred downloads per episode. And then yours was maybe the first one over a thousand actually. And now yeah. we're into, you know, the multi thousands and uh, it's yeah. awesome, dude. So I know that people are going to like this. You got a bunch of followers on Instagram you got people coming to you for advice, including me every day. Uh, so I think what we're going to do is we're just going to like dive in here because dude, you're like a super successful man, business wise, family wise, parenting, marriage, all that kind of stuff. And I love this new tagline you got, which is like the dad you never had. That's so, <laughs> so good. And so I think guys are going to love this. Um, but I want to start off with something I've never talked about here before, which is this like red pill, manosphere, just like get jacked and get laid and get the money, I guess. I don't really know too much about it, dude. Like, thank God I was never into that. I think I missed it by a couple of years. But I know you've dived into it because guys are coming to you like, looking for this stuff all the time, wondering what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I wonder if we can like just figure out what it is in the first place and why it's actually terrible and then figure out like what we're supposed to do instead. So can you just give us like the broad overview of what you're seeing and why it's actually not the right way for men to go to pursue? Well, I didn't know anything about it until people started sending stuff to me about it. Like, what do you think about this? And it, it, the, you know, my first introduction to it was, uh, women sending me stuff about how 
you know, should I be okay with letting my husband or my boyfriend sleep with other women? And my first reaction, like any, like I would think any normal human being is like, what? No. Yeah. What planet are you on? Where, huh? Like if I went to my wife and said, you know, I think you should let me sleep with other women. Like I would wake up without my parts tomorrow. <laughs> you know? As would any, like any man that I've ever met in real life in my entire life, you know? And then it progressively started, people started just sending me these things and they'd make comments about stuff. I'm like, where is this nonsense coming from? You know? And I found out about this, this red pill thing and people started, you know, back when I first started sharing what my beliefs about manhood were and what my experience had been as a, as a married man, people would she would reshare it in their stories and be like, this is the anti red pill guy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is a red pill? You know, I didn't, I've never heard anything about it. So yeah, it's been kind of a crash course, but basically I feel like the way I always describe it is it's, it feels very much like, you know, I don't have teenagers yet. Right. But just imagine that you have like, an 18 year old and a 17 year old and you go out of town for a week and you come home to find that they like, there's this huge party going on. Your whole house is destroyed. It's like, that's what I feel like happened in the last 10 years when, when I wasn't involved in talking about manhood or any of these things, I feel like I came home and the kids have been running everything. And like, where have the adults been? Like, this is absolutely insane nonsense. And I really think it's a thing where, we've lost touch so much with what it really means to be a man that it's almost like you've got these guys that didn't have fathers and that didn't have, you know, any, you know, even movies and TV shows in the last 10 years and stuff don't even have good portrayals of manhood. Like there's absolutely zero portrayals of what a, of how a man really behaves. And so it's almost like they've refined, it's almost like we've like an archeologist that discovered this ancient civilization and they're like, they see these cave paintings and hieroglyphics and they're trying to figure out what they mean. And all they can really come up with is like, get laid, get jacked, make money. And they don't, they're like, they don't know enough about the actual civilization. They're just translating these few hieroglyphics that they can barely understand into real manhood. And that's what it, that's what it really boils down to is I see it for what it is as a, as an actual grown man, you know, it's just the most superficial surface level, just empty version of, of masculinity that has no corollary. You know, there was a book, there was this nonsense book that everybody talks about written by Rolo Tomasi. Um, I can't, the way of the superior man, I think it's called. And I haven't read it because I don't fill my mind with bullshit. Um, but that's apparently that's what's in there. It's like, Oh, a man can't be by bi a man's biologically wired to not be monogamous and all this stuff, you know? And, um, and since it sounds good and every young man wants to hear that, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to sleep with multiple women. And so it sells because you're telling guys what they want to hear, but it's not true. It's not real. It, he's a con artist. Right. And, and then you had guy, and then you had this proliferation of guys like Andrew Tate come on, come on the scene, and then the Fresh and Fit podcast come on the scene, saying a lot of the same nonsense, you know. And, and Andrew Tate, you know, I I don't see much of his stuff, but I got sent a reel probably forty times of him basically saying, um, you know, when I was twenty, you know, hot girls didn't want to talk to me, you know, y'all didn't have time for me, y'all didn't want to settle down with me when I was twenty. Now that I'm thirty five and I have value you know, you want to settle down. And I'm like, and people buy it. People believe it because he uses a forceful voice and he's very, you know, he just talks loud, you know, and, and I'm sitting there thinking like, bro, I don't know what your problem was, but I didn't have a problem getting laid when I was 20. <laughs> when I was in college, me and all my buddies all had girlfriends. Like who were, who were you hanging out with me? It sounds like you were just a loser and now you're compensating for it. Now that you've figured a few things out because I don't know a single guy that was like, didn't have a girl that wanted to commit to him when he was 20. I could have got married to four different girls when I was, I was in my twenties. I don't know what world he's talking about, <laughs> you know, but it's just, he and I are the same generation. I mean, he's not a young guy. He's 36, you know, so it's not like he grew up in this era of online dating and all this other stuff right. that, that people are talking about now, which does pose some, some, actual issues for guys, but, um, 
you know, what I really try to do and what I think the reason is for um, why my kind has taken off and whatever, you know, influence I have is I really just revert back to what manhood has always been that we've just forgotten, you know, like I can't find any correlation. I can't find any teaching preceding 2010 saying that it's honorable for men to sleep with multiple women. Like, can you imagine like, like Superman, right? What if Superman cheated on Lois Lane in a movie? What would we all think about Superman? We'd be like, way to go top G. Or we, we did, we'd be, <laughs> what a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Like when, did, when did that change? That's that. It, here's the answer. It hasn't changed. There's just a bunch of lost little boys that think that because some guy that wrote, anybody can write a book. Who's Rolo Tomasi? Why is he an expert? Like he just wrote a book. Like that doesn't mean he knows anything. So it's a, uh, it's just something where I'm just going back to the deeper underlying things about being a man, because the problem with the whole red pill thing is like get money, get jacked, get laid. It's like, well, um, I'm 39 years old. I've done all those things. Let me tell you what's on the other side of that. Nothing. You're not going to feel any different. And it's almost like, you know, when you're a little kid, all year long, you look forward to Christmas, right? And there's like these Christmas presents you want, but a month after Christmas, the toys are in the closet. You don't care about it anymore. It's not special anymore, right? That's the same. That's the same thing about getting jacked. You don't feel different. Not really. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your heart. It doesn't change your soul. It doesn't change your purpose. It doesn't change what you believe about yourself permanently. If if you haven't also done the work to know who you are as a man, you know, making money doesn't change you. You know, and if it does change you, it only changes you for the worse. Like we. All of our stories talk about that. Um, you know, having a lot of sexual partners, you talk to anybody, and that's what's funny. And, and Will Spencer's talked about this. You know, um, there was like the whole pickup artist game in the early 2000s. There was a show on VH1 with a guy called Mystery, and he was running game on women, basically, and all this stuff. Basically, doing the same things that these young guys now think are like new deals. It's like, Go look at, go follow up with mystery and see how he's doing now. Let's see how Andrew Tate's doing when he's 50. Right. And a lot of these young guys, it's like they don't even stop and think about the fact that, that cause they don't want to, they don't want to stop and think about the fact that sometimes at some point you're going to be 45, you're going to be 50 years old. Right. And what happens if you get diabetes or you get cancer or you develop some kind of autoimmune disease or whatever, and you've been sleeping around your whole life and, guess what? You have nobody. When your health goes away, when you have a, when you have some, when you get, get in a car wreck and you have, you know, nine months of rehab to fix your broken leg and all that, guess what? You're going to be at home alone and miserable because you have no one in your life that truly cares about you. So it's just, there's zero, the whole aspect of the Red Pill community has no honor. It has no traditional masculine qualities that anybody has ever respected at any point in time in civilization. Yeah. Men have slept around. Yeah. I'll give them that. There've been a lot of, you know, previous, you know, rulers and Kings and different tribes and, and all these things that had harems and all that stuff, but that's not the world that we live in now. And it was never part of civilization and the civilizations that did behave that way also got taken over by opposing warlords and all of their wives got raped and taken into slavery and became part of somebody else's harem as soon as they like Genghis Khan, right? Like, yeah, Genghis Khan had thousands of wives. It didn't turn out that great for, for his wife, for his wife, for his wives. You know what I mean? And so um, they're picking and choosing elements of things like it's build a bear. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You know, you can't like keep all the things that make modern society functioning and have a harem. Because guess what? There's going to be third, you know, if you have a hundred wives, there's going to be 99 dudes that are looking to kill you and take your wives because there's no wives for them. That's reality. And that's what used to happen all the time in the time periods that they referred to that as having harems and having multiple wives. And if you're an alpha, you've got all this, all these options or whatever. It's like, yeah, until a stronger alpha comes and kills you and takes all your wives and kills your children. That's what happened back then. So you can't have one without the other doesn't work that way. Um, so yeah, I just have so many problems with that whole red pill 
idea. And, and it started off as a good idea because it was trying to teach men that had no concept of masculinity, some of the basics. Right. And I think that's where I was wanted to jump in. It's why is it such a thing? And why are guys so into it? And I think it is that like what you were saying before is not only have we lost what it looks like to be a man, we've lost like every ounce of masculinity. And so guys are like, I have this feeling inside of me and it's got to go somewhere and I might as well do the self-gratifying thing because then at least I feel like a man. But there's way more to it than that. So, like, is there anything that you've noticed about what men are actually looking for here that they're trying to find with a red pill? Man, honestly, I think it's it, I think it is the mirror image of the radical feminist. They're taking a few valid instances, things that have caused pain, you know. And so, what what a lot of the red pill guys talk about is, you know, when they try to be good to a woman, they leave them. Right. Or the only guys getting girls are the bad boys. Okay. When men get divorced, they lose everything. Right. And they lose their family. They lose their kids. Those are all valid complaints. Right. Well, radical feminists have valid complaints about a very small percentage of men who have beaten their wives. And they take those few instances of these bad actors and they sensationalize it and apply it to all men. Right. Cause what a lot of the red, what a lot of, and I'm not talking about the radical feminists that have platforms. I'm talking about just the, the women that are feminists, like in the comment sections, right. They have the same complaints like, Oh, we're not going back to the 1950s because men, you know, men had complete control over their wives and their wives weren't able to spend their own money and have their own bank accounts and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that really did happen to some women. But not, it wasn't like every single woman, right? So they're taking these few instances of valid things that actually did happen and that were perpetrated by evil men, and they're applying it to every man and saying we should completely you know, dismantle the entire system because the possibility of these few bad actions, right? And now the red pill is basically the same thing. Like, are there women that only want the bad boy. Yeah, of course there are. That's, I dealt with that, you know, but that doesn't mean that every woman is like that. How about this? Notice what types of women go after that. They're always the superficial, you know, the superficial quote unquote hot girl. That's got, you know, makeup painted on her face. That probably has a Brazilian butt lift and wearing yoga pants that are, you know, pulled up or ass crack. You know, it's like, yeah, how about you don't go after that girl and go after the girl that actually seems like she has at least somewhat of good values, good judgment and a good head on her shoulders. Like if you want to if you want to date superficial girls, don't be surprised when they date the most superficial guy they can date. That doesn't mean that applies to every single woman, bro. Yes, it happens. But when you take the worst, there are evil women that divorce men for no reason and take their kids and move them halfway across the country and take half their money. Yeah, that happens. It does, but it's not every single instance of women. And that's, that's what's going on in all of our dialogues about any topic that you want to talk about is whether it's feminism or whether it's the red pill or whether it's all these other contentious issues. We take these few instances of evil people and apply it to broad groups instead of realizing, and you're a Christian like I am, there is evil in the world. And it's not, it's not exclusive to men. It's not exclusive to women. It's not exclusive to a a race or a nation or even a religion. There There are Christians. There are people who call themselves Christians who are evil. No matter what classification you want to drill into, there are going to be evil people that will give it a bad name. Yeah. And that goes into the whole, um, this, it's like people see one person doing something and generalize and then throw out everything with the generalization. And I think that points to the importance of knowing how to discern truth and goodness and like objectivity and your own values and who you are and your identity. And that's what like, I'm starting to see that. And the reason I want to talk about this, cause I'm starting to see it in my DMS. Uh, I work mostly with guys who have put their head down for 10 years. And I know you have done the same sort of thing, but you are very clear with your wife that like, this is how it's going to be. And we're going to have an amazing life. And I'm not going to like just peace out emotionally. But the guys who I work with are typically like, 
entrepreneurial, 10 years, nose the grindstone. They finally won and they look up and go, oh no, like I'm going to lose my wife and kids mm -hmm. if I don't sort myself out because I haven't done any of the work. I haven't been there for them to be supportive. And I even got this DM the other day like, oh, if some like woman comes into the, the bus, should I get up from the seat because like she's going to think that I'm like a, a beta for offering her seat or like should I be chivalrous to try and get her to talk to me? I'm like, bro, the answer is what does a good man do? Simply that. And a good man's going to get up because, you know, that's and what that right there, that right there is the distinction. Okay. With everything we're talking about is men have forgotten that they've forgotten the fact that they have agency and however they act and whatever tone they set, a woman is probably going to follow. And I would also add, not just women, if you get a group of men together, the most masculine man is usually the one that all the other men will follow. Right. And so when, it, when you when it's a man and a woman, the man should be the most masculine. And so we all as human beings have it within us to follow that mask, that strong masculinity. Right. So even amongst men, the most masculine man is usually the one the other men begin looking to for guidance, for leadership, they, they kind of wait to react until they see how the most masculine man reacts. Right. And so women take that the wrong way and say, Oh, I'm not, I have a mind of my own. So like, yeah, nobody's saying you don't have a mind of your own, but it's just natural. You watch the, the dynamics of NFL team, right. And they're going to follow Tom Brady. Those are all masculine guys, you know, but the guy that's the most competent, when you talk about true masculinity, the guy that's the most competent, the most confident, the most, the most experienced, the most self-assured, the most prepared, the, you know, all those things. Every single person on an NFL team is a masculine alpha dog. But as soon as Tom Brady walks in the room, those guys start saying, tell us what to do, Tom. Right. And so women get offended when you say these things. And so I, I always try to point out, like, these dynamics aren't exclusive to male, female. These dynamics are human nature. We just we just it's just what we do. Um, and so the problem with the whole red pill is it removes our sense of agency as men. And it's become very reactive to be it's it's it all boils down to, in essence, manipulation. You know, how do I get her to think what I want her to think? Instead of it's like, bro, if you just be a man, you'll get the results that you want. Eventually, you decide what kind of man you're going to be. And you commit to the values and the virtues and the principles of honesty and humility and courage and loyalty and commitment and sacrifice and, you know, boldness, you know, confidence, competence. And, and you just do that for six months around a woman and just see what happens. And don't even look at her reaction. Forget she exists and you do you. And you just go learn how to be that type of man. After six months you know, metaphorically turn around and tell me she's not following right behind you. Dude, this is so good. I tell my guys, we serve, lead and love our wives because that's what good husbands do. And yes. we drop all expectations yes. because so many guys are like, well, I did this thing now when are we having sex. And it's exactly. like, bro, if you just focused on being a good, trustworthy yes. man of integrity, yes. you'll get everything you want. And I've talked about this on like, I think my stories the other day, I spent all weekend last weekend just serving. Like we had like birthday party for my middle son. We had all this kind of stuff going on and I was drained by the end of it, but I've never felt so fulfilled. I was well, content. A good example is like the gym, right? Like, we've gotten way too impatient as men for immediate results. Right. And so we do one thing, right. And we turn around and be like, do I get sex now? It's like, you don't go to the gym and lift for one day and lift weights and, and, and expect to go look in the mirror and be like, Oh, do I have muscles now? It's like, that's not how it works, man. Like it's, you've got to realize that there is, it, it's almost, it's a law of the universe. Like if you just commit to doing certain things, the outcomes are inevitable. You do not even have to think about them. You, It's like a recipe, right? It's like you make a recipe for a cake and you put all the ingredients. You go buy the box cake, the Betty Crocker box cake, and you pour them all in, you mix them up and you put them in the oven and the, the cake happens. You don't have to sit there and worry like, is it a cake? It's like they pour the, the box, the box into the pans. Like, is it a cake yet? No, bro. You haven't done You haven't followed all the steps yet. 
You know, they put it in the oven for two minutes and it's like little kid stuff. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's like, calm your ass all the way down and understand that these things take time. You need to, you need to really, really calm down. And so am I saying that if you commit yourself to these virtues of being a man, like protect and provide and be loyal and be present and be strong and all these things, like, can you do that for 45 minutes and all of a sudden your wife is going to change, like going to be like, Oh, I'm going to jump your bones now. No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to put in the time to execute a certain set of actions, no different than the gym. You've got to eat right. You've got to go to the gym. And if you stop looking in the mirror and you stop weighing yourself every 15 minutes and you just say, I'm going to put my head down. I'm not going to get on the scale. I'm not going to look in the mirror. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to execute a plan that I know will work for a year. And I'll look at the results a year later. How many times is that not going to work? Never. Well, 100% well, of the time, it will work. You know what sabotages people? It's the results. If there were no mirrors in the gym and there were no scales and you couldn't see what any of the results were and you just kept executing that recipe, like baking the cake, 100 times out of 100, a cake's going to pop out of the oven. A flock of geese isn't going to fly out of the oven. Right. Yeah. There's zero question. There's absolutely zero question about what the outcome is going to be. If you just put your head down and follow the recipe. Right. But where, where people stop going to the gym is they get on the scale. It's like, Oh, I've I've been eating perfect. And I gained two pounds today. Oh my, Oh my gosh, is my plan working? I need to change my whole diet. Maybe I need to, instead of doing heavy lifting, maybe I need to change my lifting scheme. And they just get in their own heads. And it's like, no, just execute any plan. Do CrossFit. You can do powerlifting. You can do yoga. You can do literally just do one thing for a year. And, and all of it will work. It will be better than doing nothing, right? Stop reacting. Stop reacting. Stop doing it for results. Disassociate completely from what, outcome you're wanting to do because that's all just manipulation when it comes to women and instead just focus on the agency that you have to conduct yourself in a certain way as a man and just do it for a year and tell me that your sex life isn't better tell me that she's not following you tell me that she's not treating you with respect every man's like treat me with respect if you have to say it you're screwing up it's on you because i promise you just like, do you think Tom Brady has to tell his teammates, you better respect me? <laughs> kidding me? No. Yeah. Dude, The um, this is so good. And I think the, this is probably where people are coming into all the red pill stuff is because, one, they're looking for somewhere to go, something to do that gets results. And two, they're looking for results in the first place. And in a world where everything's immediate, yeah. you get like, you know, new notifications, you get Uber Eats delivered to your door, you get everything right away. Guys have just lost or have never built in the first place his ability for delayed gratification and putting in the work. And I don't know what else the answer is other than being the example of that to guys. Because I think what you just said, you listed out all these virtues, all these masculine virtues that simply get results. And I mean, I'll throw my weight behind that too. That's exactly what I've seen in my life. That's exactly what works with all the guys I work with. It's like, you just got to do the work and you got to stop looking for, like you said, the reactive uh, manipulative outcome and make the process what you optimize for. And you just feel so much better, dude. Like, I, is there any other way to get this in the guy's heads? Have you thought about this at all? Like how the heck do we get people to just do the right thing? I think they are. I think the reason that, that red pill has gotten the traction that it has, is that that's all there was. Now that we're talking about this stuff, guys are following us. Guys are listening to the podcast. Guys are following us on Instagram you know, now we're going to grow slower because we're not telling them what they want to hear. Right. And so the guys like the Andrew Tates and, and the fresh and fit guys and Rolo Tomasi, they're always going to be more explosive growth with those guys because yeah, it's easy to sell somebody what they want to hear. No responsibility get laid anytime you want. Well, yeah, that's going to sell more than us telling people, no, you get, it's the same way. We'll go back to the fitness analogy, right? Like the guy selling the magic diet pill that you can take this pill and get fit in, you know, 25 days. That's been working since, you know, the, the home shopping network in the eighties, when you had like the, 
the buns blaster or whatever that these women would buy, would buy at home or what. So yeah, our, the selling what we're selling and talking about what we're talking about is never, ever going to be as explosively have as much explosive growth as the red pill stuff. Um, because yeah, everybody wants the shortcut, you know? Um, but guys are listening and it, and we are making headway. It's just, it's always going to be slower. And they're, and here's the thing, they're going to try all that stuff first. And then when they still feel empty afterwards, they're going to come and they're going to read what we've been saying for years mm-hmm. and say, these guys had it figured out all along. And so even for us, we have to buy into the process and understand that the, a lot of these young 20 something guys are going to hear us and they're going to be like those old, those old fogies don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to do what Andrew Tate said because that Andrew Tate's telling them what they want to hear. We're not, yeah. we're telling them, Hey, you're not going to get jacked in, tw- in, you know, eight workout sessions. You know, you want to get jacked, do the right thing every day for a year and it's going to be really boring and it's going to suck. And there's not going to be anything fun about it. Like, yeah, not, not everybody's going to be signing up for that. People don't want, that's not the answer people want, but it's, it's the truth. And so, we're always, we have to take our own advice in situations like this and understand that most guys are going to go to Andrew Tate and fresh and fit and the red pill. They're going to go that route first because it's easier. It's faster. They don't have to take any responsibility. They can get laid and do anything they want to do. And it's going to work to a point. And then they're going to get, they're going to reach a point where they're unfulfilled and they're miserable and they're unhappy and they're going to find guys like us and they're going to say, oh, I wish I would have listened to you five years ago. It's like, yeah, so do I. But you wouldn't because you thought you knew better. Yeah. And guys only end up taking action when they're hurting, as in my experience, at least. And I think the the thing that I'm hearing as well is like, dude, there's fruit that comes from living the way that you're talking about. And uh, it's sometimes slow ripening fruit. And it reminds me of like uh, these guys are they're the they're the soil on which something springs up immediately, but there's no root. And so it's just going to be burnt right away. Whereas I look back at the last 10, 11 years of my life being married and almost 10 years as a father. And I'm like, dude, this was a long, hard slog to get where I am today. And it required, like you were saying, being super honest with myself, first of all, and then learning how to do all these things in the face of massive opposition with Mm -hmm. the world. And part of why I like talking about this, especially with guys like you and like everyone else who I have on here who's successful, it's like, dude, it can be sick to have a family. It is amazing to have a family and you can be super cool and do all the things you do when you're like a single bro. You can have the money, you can get the body, you can like have a beautiful relationship, an intimate relationship with your wife. Mm -hmm. But man, like it's going to take some work, but do it because otherwise you're going to wind up Dead. And, and here's the thing that I try to relate it back to so that it's not about just like my opinion versus Andrew Tate's opinion, right? Let's step outside of, you know, these talking points of get jacked, get tan, get rich, get laid. Like Michael Jordan would tell you the same thing about his career. Like all these guys that we've, we've collectively held up as icons have all been screaming this. I mean, I don't, I don't remember a time. So there's this phrase that says it took me 10 years to become an overnight success, right? I don't remember a time where I hadn't, where I didn't hear that. I'm 39. It's been around at least as old as I am, right? Like all these icons that we have, like whether it's athletes or whether it's business people that are, that we look at, they all are screaming the same thing. Guys are like, I want to be, I want to win an NBA title. Okay. We'll start when you're 17 and work your ass off and, you know, in G- like like there's a guy in the NBA right now named Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's called the Greek Freak, right? And so he grew up in Greece. He was really poor, and he had to share shoes with his brother. They had one pair of shoes between them, and they'd have to go to they'd have to go to basketball and, and, ch- and swap shoes when they got to play. And he was over there grinding it out in these gyms in Greece without heat, without air conditioning, in you know, in anonymity, right? And all of a sudden now guys are like, oh, I want to be like that guy. It's like, well, then you need to go find the cold, dark gym that nobody's at with a broken rim that smells bad and shoot and go there every day and shoot a thousand shots. And Kobe Bryant did that, right? Like, um, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson reinforces this message all the time. Like it took him years of working and like coming from nowhere and all this stuff, you know. So it's not – Men know that 
anybody that has gotten results, that has become an icon, or like, I want a life like you, that isn't selling something, that's the difference, says the same thing. There's only one way to get there, right? And so the reason that you should hold the Andrew Tates and the Fresh and Fit guys and the Rulo Tomasis, the reason you should have some suspicion about them is that they're selling, they're trying to sell you something like take my course and I'll tell you how to be like me in six months. It's no different than the get rich quick scheme, the Ponzi scheme that nobody ever got rich from. It's no different than the diet pill that nobody ever got fit from. They are, they're the same way. They are a masculine version of a get rich quick of a Ponzi scheme. It's a masculine Ponzi scheme. I just made that up as we've been talking, but that's essentially what it is. It's a masculine Ponzi scheme because they're trying to sell you. Join my council for $99 a month and I'll teach you how to have the life of your dreams. That's no different. Like nobody, no man that has actually had a fruitful marriage agrees with that. Zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. But it's the same concept as, you know, The Rock talks about how he he took all, had to do all these projects and he, you know, and he decided he wanted to become a pro wrestler. He was on, he wasn't, he, he didn't just walk in and he's like the headline wrestler. He was, he was wrestling in, you know, barns in Idaho you know, mm-hmm. and working his way up. He's, he says that all the time about his career. He's been very vocal, but you know what? No, he's not trying to sell anybody anything. He has no agenda. He's telling the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Guys that have started great businesses will tell you like, yeah, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success in my business. But, you know, he's not trying to sell you a course on how to be successful in business because nobody would buy that. Here's my course on how to start a business. 10 years of shit. And then you'll be successful. <laughs> like, nobody's going to buy that course. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's essentially what a lot of this red pill, red pill nonsense is, is it's a it's a masculinity Ponzi scheme. Man, I like what you said about guys know it. And yet we can't help ourselves sometimes. It's like the shiny object thing. I do this in business all the time, right? I have been. And it's like, I know that it's, you know, it's been now 10, 11 years, 12 years working for myself. But every couple of years at the beginning, it's like, well, if I just like, I know what to do. But if I just did this other thing, it'd probably work faster because I see this guy selling this course every single time. And I knew better. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like you said, being out there, sharing what's actually working, showing the fruit of it and being like, Hey man, I'm going to be here when you realize well, this is actually the way, you know, I study athletes a lot. I was an athlete, you know, and I coach my kids in sports a lot. And so like, that's kind of where my mind goes. I'm always using athletic metaphors, but, it, but I remember Peyton Manning, um, Peyton Manning before he retired. I remember, I think he, it was when he was playing the, one of his, his last Super Bowls when he played for the Broncos and um, they were making a big deal about how, you know, probably, he was like 35, 36 years old. He'd been in the NFL for 15 years and they were showing him before the game. And he was doing the same warm up drills that his dad taught him when he was 12 years old. And he had an hour long routine before every game. Um, and he did the same routine before his last Super Bowl that he did when he was 12 years old. The fundamentals are undefeated. Figure out what the fundamentals are of what you're trying to do, whether it's business, whether it's fitness, whether it's relationships, whether any of these things we talk about. The fundamentals are undefeated. And the greats at whatever they do, sports, business, at whatever, they never forget that. And they never lose sight of that. They, you know, Peyton Manning didn't change the drills that his dad taught him because some new flashy coach told him that this thing will accelerate your whatever. But he's like, nope. I'm going to dance with who brought me. This has worked so far. I'm not changing it. Right. And so as a man, that's a big part of, to me, I think a lot of that comes from, from a lack of conviction in your own, in your own self as a man to say, no, I'm, I know what works. I'm going to trust the process that I've thought out in my head. That's going to get me to success. You have to plant your feet in concrete as a man. This is, I've made my commitment to this. I've charted my course. I've made my commitment that I'm headed this direction and I'm not going to be distracted by the shiny objects that come to try to pull me, pull me away from where I'm headed. You know, is this path that I'm taking? Might there be a quicker path? Maybe. Might it take me longer to do it the hard way? And, you know, I'm visualizing like a trailblazer that's got a machete, like hacking through the jungle, right? Like, yeah, might there be a better path to where I'm going that somebody else is telling me about? Yeah, maybe. But he also might have an, an agenda to take me off the path. 
He also might have an agenda. Maybe he doesn't even know what he's doing any better than I do, and I'm going to spend my time going down his path just to end up at a point where I've got to pull my machete back out and hack my way through. Like, there's no guarantee that this other way is going to work better unless you're talking to somebody that's already done it and already been there, like your father or somebody that doesn't have an agenda, right? That's not trying to sell you something, but you just have to commit. You have to commit. And even if it takes me longer, there's been things that, like, in hindsight, I could have listened to somebody and it would have, it would have cut a few months off of the work that I did or whatever, but I did it my way and I learned something along the way. And that's something that I, I haven't struggled as much with, you know, as what you're talking about where you get distracted because I've just always been, um, I've always known like, okay, I, I can see the fundamentals. I guess I would say when I talk about the fundamentals and when I go into anything, that's kind of the first thing that I do is I mentally deconstruct the process and figure out what the fundamentals, what the building blocks are. And so that's kind of how I learn is I have to take complicated things and break them down into really simple steps for me to understand how everything works. And then it's like you take the Lego set apart and figure out how all of it fits together and then you build it back, you know, and that's kind of how I learn. And so anytime I approach something, that's my process is, okay, what are the fundamentals of this? I'm going to break this down and then I'm going to, I'm going to reverse engineer it. Or I'm going to put it back together. And, so I've always had a lot of, um, I don't get my mind changed easily or get distracted by things because I see the fundamentals of what it takes to get there. And I understand that it's really simple. It's not, it's not always easy. You know, and I use this analogy a lot, but it's like a marathon, you know, like running a marathon is really simple. You just keep running. There's literally, it's the simplest thing in the world. Just keep moving your feet, bro. You got this, but it don't make it easy. Right. And so I'm not saying that a lot of the things that I'm talking about are easy, but they are simple. There's nothing complicated about how to have a good marriage. You got to keep showing up and you got to keep being willing to listen and talk and you got to keep working through things and you got to, you just got to keep being there and you got it. When it gets shitty, you got to hang in there and you got to just, sometimes all you're doing is holding on. You're like in the middle of a storm on a, you know, on a, on a ship. And it's like, you know what? I can't even steer the ship right now the storm is too bad for me to do anything. Like I'd literally just have to hold on and ride it out. And once the storm's over, we can assess what went wrong and start putting some solutions in place. You know, like sometimes that's all you can do in a marriage, just ride out the storm. There's no, there's no, you're not missing out. There's not like a strategy you're missing out on. It's like, no, when I, when I was in that spot in marriage, I was hunkered down in the corner and had a rope tie. I tied myself to the mast, <laughs> just made it to try to, and hope the ship didn't sink. That was, there was no strategy to it that you don't know that I know that you don't. It was literally just hunkered down and try to survive it. You know, and when you get on the other side, you reassess and, you know, there's, there's not a magic formula to any of this. It's, it's just, you got to keep showing up and keep doing it. And those are the fundamentals. And if you can keep your eye on the fundamentals and not get distracted by the latest get rich quick scheme. Over time, the fundamentals always work. There's a movie line that always, for some reason it stuck out of my head. The movie, remember the Titans. You ever seen that movie? Denzel Washington. Okay. It came out in the early two thousands, but um, it's about a football team in the sixties. And um, it was about a school that was integrated it was a, a black school and a white school got integrated and Denzel Washington was made the head coach and the other head coach from the other school that used to be two different schools. Now they're one, he was the assistant coach. Well, Denzel Washington's offense was only four plays. It was the same four plays over and over and over again. And the white head coach is like wanting to do all these fancy offenses. And Denzel Washington, he just looks at him and he says, my offense is like Novocaine, which you know what Novocaine is. It's what you put in your, they put in your mouth. Uh, and once it sets in, you can't feel a damn thing. You know, he's like, my offense is like Novocaine coach. Give it time. It always works. Hmm. And that's always stuck with me. It's like, if I can figure out what the fundamentals are, just give it time. They always work. Now there's a lot of times where if I can't figure out what the fundamentals are, then I'll ask somebody, how did you do this? You know, I'm going through this that I can't figure out what the solution is. That's, that's what I go out and I seek advice for. I might buy a coaching class for or something like that it, is if there's something I know that I don't know. Yeah. Um, Man, 
but that's my purpose with all of it is to figure out what all the fundamentals are. And then once I figure out what the fundamentals are, this applies to athletics, this applies to any type of success in marriage, business, anything. Once you figure out what the fundamentals are, they always work. Always. You just have, but you have to give them time, give them time and keep executing and they'll always work. Yeah. Dude, talking to you is always so like calming in a sense, because my mind is racing all the time. And I'm like, oh, what's the next step? And it's just like, dude, just chill out, figure out what the fundamentals are. And like, it's going to work. And that it's going to work has just been not something that was ingrained in me for whatever reason. It's like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. Like I could die here. And if I do that, like I better find the faster, better way. And so there's this thing that, I mean, I think it's awesome because I don't know how many men I've met like you who are just like, yeah, it's going to work. Because I think most of the guys that I work with is at least, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I'm looking for external reference. I'm looking for external satisfaction. Like everything's about outside. And like we talked about before, reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you have like, it's almost like this is just how you were born, how you were raised. But have you thought about how you get men back to that fundamental? Like, what is it that they're looking for that stops them from being so needy for external validation? Is there fundamentals to that? Understanding that the best way to get the external validation is to focus on the fundamentals. I get all kinds of external validation. So again, it just comes back to, you'll get all the external validation in the world if you execute the things the right way. You might not get it immediately, you know, Um, and I don't know that I was born this way. And I don't know if we talked about this on the last podcast. I've had this conversation, I think on one other podcast, but I grew up as a baseball player and I was a pitcher. Right. And so, um, you don't have a choice, right? Like you're out in the middle of the field by yourself and you make a bad pitch and a guy hits a home run. You can't just go like crawling in the dugout and hide. Like the umpire gives you the ball. There's, you know, 800 people watching it, all of your friends, all of your family, everybody, you know, in the whole world is watching and the umpire comes and hands you a new ball. It's like, get back on the horse cowboy, you know? And, um, it doesn't take long of doing that to realize that like as a pitcher, not every pitch I made was successful. Right. And not every inning was successful, but if you give me a whole game, usually I made enough good pitches to win the game. I can't get focused on each pitch. I'm going to drive myself nuts. I drive myself insane. I have to expand my time frame for how I'm evaluating myself. Right. And so if you take that analogy and apply it to like a major league baseball player, right? Like we don't evaluate a pitcher. Like, I don't know how many people are familiar with baseball, but the most famous pitcher is probably Nolan Ryan. Almost everybody's heard of Nolan Ryan, right? Like, None of us remember a bad pitch he made. We remember his career, his career, right? And so most men, and what I feel like I learned is that, I, and that, that baseball taught me that I see most men not doing right, is I learned I'm not evaluated on every pitch. If I evaluate myself on every pitch, my, my, the way that I look at myself is going to be all over the damn place. I'm going to be batshit crazy. I'm not going to be able to do anything. So I can't look, I can't evaluate it on each pitch. I can't, I can't really evaluate it on on each inning. I have bad innings. And then there's times where I have bad games where I just can't find the feel for it. Right. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad pitcher. It just means I couldn't find the feel for it that day. Right. And then to expand that over the course of a season, more often than not, I had a good season, you know, but even the best pitchers, they'll go 18 and seven. So they lost seven entire games. They didn't, Entire, you know, a pitcher in the major leagues, he pitches, you know, usually a hundred and something pitches, right? And if he goes 18 and seven, that means seven games of the year, he had a hundred pitches and failed. But over the course of a season, he was 18 and seven. So that's a successful season, but expand that now even more into a career like Nolan Ryan's of 20 seasons. And so that's the difference in the way that you look at it. And so I learned very early on, it's like, you know what? I'm not evaluating myself on every pitch. You give me a whole game though. And you'll never beat me. Not ever. Mm, Not ever. That lands so hard for me personally. I'm in this transitionary period of what I, uh, at least what it feels like a transitionary period from going evaluate every single thing, because my fear was I'm always one pitch away from being yanked. I'm always one pitch away from being cut. 
And that's and, ridiculous. And I, I don't know where you, that – I can tell you as a pitcher, and I coach Little League Baseball and stuff now, and I've seen other teams that are really, really highly competitive, right? We play against these other travel baseball teams that are highly, highly competitive, and their pitchers feel that pressure. If they make the slightest mistake, they get pulled, and they're all mental back basket cases, all of them, because our minds can't function that way. We're, we're human beings. We're not going to execute everything everything perfectly. What I would tell men to expand on that metaphor is to say, understand as a man, you're going to, Nolan Ryan's a hall of famer. He's in the hall of fame because, but we evaluate his career. And as a man, we're going to, as you talk about that external validation, that external validation is going to be based on a season or a career. It's that external validation is never going to be based off of a single pitch ever. Yeah, dude, that's, um, it's so interesting. And this ties into parenting, I think too, because I know for me, because I come from that mindset and I'm actively working to get over it into this long term, like I was telling you just before the call, it's like, man, I can feel myself wanting to go back into the old ways of momentum is the only thing I judge myself on. If I make a couple of sales, if the algorithm takes off, if I get a bunch of positive messages on Instagram, like, dude, things are sweet. But two, three days go by, nobody joins us in the brotherhood or, you know, algorithm doesn't hit a post. I'm like, am I really doing all the right things? And I've got to really keep coming back to, yes, this is a long ball game. And yes, this has worked. And yes, it will work. And it's taken a lot of time, man. And so I love this analogy of like the Hall of Fame career. I'm not looking to win every single argument with my kid or not argument, but like confrontation, whatever it is. And so as I go about parenting, I can't be looking at them to do that either. I've got to evaluate their life on an entire childhood and life rather than like, hey, bud, you messed up there. Not acceptable. It's like, huh, you messed up. That's okay. How are we going to work on that? Because I know next time you're going to throw a good pitch. Yeah. and, And I think it really comes down to finding the most healthy, appropriate metric, right? And so To me, it's game film, right? So after an entire game, I will watch film and say, what pitches did I execute well? What pitches did I fail at and why? So I do think evaluation and reflection is important. I don't want to to make it sound like if you're doing something stupid, the sooner you catch it, the better. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I I think you can't do it on a pitch-by-pitch basis. You have to figure out, you know, the metaphorical game. To say, I'm going to, you know, so if it's, we're talking about something like fitness, it's like, give yourself three months, right? I'm going to put a plan together and I'm not, and I'm not going to reevaluate it. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to get on the scale. I'm not going to weigh myself. I'm not going to look in the mirror. I'm just going to put my head down and grind for three months. I'm going to see where I'm at and I'm going to evaluate that. And then I can look back at the pitches that I made that I do need to fix. I'm not saying you just be a dumbass and keep making bad pitches, right? Like if you're doing something stupid, you need to figure it out. Um, you just have to find the right, you know, spectrum on whatever it is. And so as if maybe you reevaluate on a monthly basis or, you know, every two weeks, right? Instead of evaluating your child's every action, you know, how have they behaved overall? Because they're human beings. They're not going to be perfect. Overall, how have they behaved this week? right? Or how have they behaved the last two weeks? Have they gotten better at whatever I've been asking them to do, not fighting with their spouse or having a good attitude or, um, you know, having more confidence or whatever it may be, you know, evaluated over the course of uh, reflect. And I, and I use this phrase, watch game film, right? Like just go play the game. And that's, that's kind of the, the back and forth that I view it as with, with guys like you, right. That are evaluating, every little thing. Right. And then you've got a lot of other guys that don't think at all. They're just blundering through life like dumbasses. Okay. It's like, no, it's like, this is, you know, guys get, guys talk about how do I get confidence or whatever. It's like, that's, what's great about sports is if you, if you take something like the NBA, it's like you have to go play the game and you're going to have a bad game. You're going to miss a game winning shot and 50,000 people are going to be laughing at you. Right. But you don't get a choice. You got to go, you got another game in three days. You got to go play. So you got to get back out there. Um, but in between, they watch game film. That's kind of the metaphor that I, that I use. Is like, go do the things. Go be a parent for a set time frame. Two weeks, try this new thing, right? And then watch game film. Watch game film about that and review it and say, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? 
what, 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 you know, so I'm going to keep this with the things that I did right. I need to remember the things that I did right. And a lot of times that's just as important as remembering the things you did wrong. There's a lot of times you can do something right and forget that you did it. It's like, why did I not keep doing that thing that I did? That was so awesome. Right. Like, I, do, I, do, exactly. I find myself doing that all the time. Oh, dude, that, I'm so guilty of that. And I'm guilty of um, like in everything. And again, this is like literally what I'm working on right now is making the play and going like, hey, give me the iPad. I need to see the game film right now. Oh, it's yeah. like, no, dude, you got it. Like you said, I love this phrasing. I love this analogy, actually, because you got to be the man in the arena. You got to go do the thing. You got to go complete the mission, complete the battle, whatever you're fighting for, go do it. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, there has to be this like checking back in. And I do that in my own life in terms of like a very broad sense where I have this self audit that I do twice a year. And so I play my game on fitness, family, finance, business, whatever it is. But then I know January and June or whatever it is, I'm going to look back and go, okay, how did that go? Where am I out of 10? Why? And what can I do to get better? And that's a great cadence. And you're making me think like, why don't I do that everywhere in my life and just make that more, uh, like you said, fundamentals, man. Like it's just coming back, simplifying fundamentals, do the right thing over the long cor- over the long haul, uh, stop trying to get external validation. And it's the pretty hard to validation lose. Validation will take care of it. Because hypothetically, using that same analogy, right? Like game film helps you figure out what more of what the fundamentals are. Because you don't always know what the fundamentals are. Sometimes you think something's working and it's actually not. But the game film allows you to capture a lot of that stuff, right? But if you buy into the process of I'm going to go play and then I'm going to watch the game film and I'm going to soak up the good things and then the things that didn't work, I don't know what's going to make those better. I'm going to try something, but I know that didn't work. So it's process of elimination. I'm going to try something different and maybe 5% of those things work after. And then I go play the game. Maybe 5% of those new things work. And when I watch the game film, I add that in. Right. And you just keep going and you go get in the arena you do the things and then you watch the game film, you learn from it, you adapt, you implement new strategies and you go back and play. And then you keep going back and forth through that process. And you look up over the course of a whole season and the external validation you'll get from winning that championship. If you can commit to that, you're going to be getting the MVP awards and you're going to be getting, you know, the championships and the fans are going to be cheering you on like the external validation is just like getting laid when we were talking about the red pill stuff earlier. It will take care of itself in orders of magnitude, higher levels of external, the, the, the amount of external validation you'll get. If you can detach from that and just focus on, I'm going to go execute my game plan. Not all of it's going to work. Just like as a pitcher, I have a game plan, but I'm not going to execute every pitch perfectly. If I did, I'd throw a no hitter. Every game, like the best pitchers, that the best athletes that have ever lived have never perfectly executed a game plan. And so that's where a lot of men don't get it, that have no experience, right? As they, they look at somebody like me or they look at Tom Brady and like, oh, Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls. It's like, bro, did you see how bad 12 of his passes were tonight? Well, no. Well, stop putting people on these pedestals of being inhuman and realize that they're just as human as you are. You know, um, but the external validation is inevitable. It's inevitable if you can just stop getting distracted by all that stuff and just focus on executing the fundamentals and just keep going and playing, keep learning from it, keep dialing down and executing the fundamentals of your game plan and then go and execute the game plan and then re, you know, rebuild your game plan as necessary and then go re-execute it again. And over time, the external validation will be orders of magnitude bigger than anything you can imagine. Man. But that can't be your impetus for doing all this stuff. It can't be for external validation. It's such a paradox, eh? And that's why I think it's so trippy to try and like grasp this if you haven't done it before. Um, because you're just like, well, I want the thing. But if I don't focus on the thing, I'll get it. And so it's like, what, what are those things? And like you said this whole time, it's just the fundamentals. Um, dude, I want to respect your time. And I got another call in a little bit here. Um, but I want to make sure people know where to find you. I'll drop the links in the show notes, dad.work slash podcast. But uh, where do you want to send guys to find more about you? Oh, I'm just on Instagram, man, at the wisdom of Kings. 
All right. Well, make sure you guys follow that. Uh, like I said, in the podcast show notes, make sure to follow Ryan. It's like some of the best writing and convicting stuff on Instagram, honestly, um, I think. So, dude, I got like maybe three quarters of my page of questions unanswered. So we're going to have to do round three at some point. Uh, yeah. But I appreciate your time, dude. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too, brother. Always. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.